the message today. Uh, we are in, uh, we're in a series called Grateful, How to Live a Great Full Life. And how many can tell me? Come on, we, this is the third Sunday. I've started off the Sunday. Every, every, every Sunday I've started off this way. How many can tell me how to live a great full life? You've got to live a grateful life. Amen? Look at your neighbor since they were not listening the past two Sundays and say the way to live a great full life is to live a grateful life. I was so, it was so cool to see the gratitude cards that you guys posted online. Uh, for those that were not here last week, we gave uh, each person here a gratitude card. It's a, it's a little business card uh, that has 10, 10 spots for you to put 10 things you're grateful for. And we're encouraging you to carry those with you for the month of November. And when you need to be reminded how blessed you are, just to pull that thing out and read over it. If you're not here last Sunday, when you leave today, we're going to have some right back on that table as you leave. Grab those. And I'll encourage you to post those on Instagram or Facebook or, or Twitter, wherever you do. Post those and, and tag the hill because it's great for us to be able to see that. I'm going to tell you, it is also great for your people that follow you on social media to see those kind of things as well. It's an amazing testimony. Last week we talked about the fact that we need to thank Him for the blessings that don't look like blessings. Amen? Like the trials and the tribulations and the problems. How many found yourself in the middle of some trials, tribulations, and problems this week? Did you deal with it better than you would have? I sure hope so. If not, you got another week because you'll have some trials and tribulations and problems this week as well. Today, I want to talk about the fact that we also need to learn to thank Him for the boring blessings. The boring blessings. You know what I'm talking about. Those things that don't feel like blessings. They're things that we just kind of expect to happen in our life. I call them the mundane miracles. The boring blessings, the mundane miracles, the things that we just take for granted, like food and clothing and shelter and family and, and friends and the things that many times, these mundane miracles, we overlook them while we're looking for another miracle. And we're praying and fussing and sometimes cussing because we need something to happen in our life. Come on, any of you Christians cuss? Just give me an Amen. Gwen, you did very good, not amening too loud. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> but we do. We, we're upset, and sometimes we're, we're frustrated. But many times, even in, if we're dealing with, it, with frustration or even with faith, we can overlook miracles that are happening to us on a daily basis. And the only way that we can truly be grateful for these things is to see these things as what they are, blessings. That's the only way you're ever going to be grateful for them, is if you can see them as miracles, see them as blessings. This requires an attitude of gratitude. You cannot be a spoiled person and be thankful. You cannot be entitled. Entitlement is the antithesis of gratitude. It's the complete opposite I want to tell you something right now, and I'm going to get all preacher on you, okay? I know I don't have a tie on, uh, but I'm going, to, I'm going to get up, I'm going to do it. When I say it, I'm going to get on my tiptoes like them old-timey preachers do. Y'all know what I'm talking about. My God, I'm going to tell y'all something. That, all right, are you ready? So listen to me. You ready? Nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody. Especially God. 
He gave everything for us. And yet many times we're so entitled and we're so spoiled and we, we're complaining about what we don't have that we miss what we do have. Let's talk about some of those boring blessings. For example, let's look at food. Let's talk about, come on, how many like talking about food? Uh, did you know that 795 million people in the world do not have enough food to live a healthy, active life? 795 million people in the world. That's almost one in nine. Think about that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, hungry. What if we started doing that all the way around this room? One in nine people do not have enough food to live a healthy, active life. And that's not just all over the earth. That's in Nashville, Tennessee. That's right up the road in Memphis, Tennessee. Our, our dear, dear friends, uh, Pastor John Siebling, reminds us all the time that Memphis was, was the hungriest city in America. That's in Tennessee. And in Nashville, this school that we're right next to, there are kids that go home on Saturday and Sunday, and they do not have food to eat. They eat Monday through Friday because they get lunch. But they go home, and they do not have enough food to eat. In our, in our city, there are food deserts where people cannot get to healthy food. They're, they're eating at, a, at some little store around there because they don't have transportation to get to a place. They don't have the money. It's a food desert. That's what I'm talking about. Now, don't get me on what the vision for the hills really is, okay? Because that's for another sermon. But I believe we can change that in our city. I really believe that we can be a part of that. One little clap over there. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know you, but I love you. Thank you, dear. I appreciate that. I believe that we can change that. I believe this is not the government's job. I believe this is the church's job. I believe this is what we're called to do. And that's why I'm praying for God to give us this building. Come on, I'm praying for us to have this building and wear it out and, and serve people and feed people and love people and care. But that's not my message. That's another message. Listen, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm not trying to make us feel guilty. Hear me, okay? Because we've all had that happen, haven't we? You know, I'm so hungry. Baby kids in Africa are hungry too. And at that point, I'm like, well, I'm guilty and hungry now, okay? That did not help me at all. I'm still hungry. I'm not, <laughs> not trying to, I'm not trying to get us to feel guilty because what I know is that, that guilty is not gratitude. You ever heard someone say, well, you should be more grateful? Well, that doesn't even, that's an that's a oxymoron. You don't demand gratitude, right? Gratitude comes from, from right here. Gratitude is not gratitude if it's required. That's why it's called thanks. Oh, y'all helping me preach right now, right? It's not something that's pulled out of you. It's something that you give freely. So I don't want you to hear that this guilt, because guilt does not, does not facilitate real gratitude, all right? Let me help you look at it. Maybe I'll submit a healthier and more sustainable way to look at this, okay? Write this down. Every meal is a miracle. Write it down. Every meal is a miracle. This is how you become grateful without feeling guilty. This is where you start looking at every time you sit down at the table, this is a miracle. 
As Pastor Mac Richard, he was with us several weeks ago, said a meal can be a spiritual experience. Amen. How many ever had a meal so good that you just thought the Shekinah glory was going to come into the kitchen? Amen. Just an amazing. But what if we looked at every meal as just that, a spiritual experience? What if we looked at every meal as a holy moment where we looked at this food that was on our table and we said this, God, you said you would provide, and you have. Let's give him thanks. What if that's the attitude we had when we approached the mundane miracle of a meal? What if we brought the awe back into the meal? My friend Billy Simon, who attends the hills, he calls it the awe frequency. I love that, the, the off frequency. What if you sat down at the table and you took that, that food and you looked at it and you said, this started with one seed. And from this one seed has come thousands of meals. Look at that. And then as Billy Simon says, what if you started looking at the table and you said, my goodness, look at the grain that's in that table. Look at the wood grain. God didn't have to put that beauty into that. God didn't have to have, have, the, have the, 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 whoever, the lumberjack cut it that certain way. And the stain they put on it to bring it out. That's, aw- that's awesome. What if we started looking at things like a little kid does? Just, oh! Come on, is this helping anybody but, but me today? One way to bring the all back into the meal is to bring the worship back into the meal. We call it the blessing, right? Somebody say the blessing. No, no, I mean, that's what we say. I love y'all. That was great. I love you guys. But, you know, we'll be at the table. All right, somebody say the blessing. Who's going to say it? Not me, not me, not me, not me. What about this? This I I think you northerners say this. Somebody say grace, right? Say grace. Somebody, somebody pray, somebody pray over it. What if we really got it back to what it is, an act of worship? Offering our thanksgiving for God's bountiful blessings. Thank you, God. There are people that don't have this. And I'm about to sit down and eat this. Not a check it off your list kind of prayer, but a heartfelt thank you to God for being our provider. Not out of habit, not out of superstition, not a bored prayer. You know those, Lord, thank you for the food and the hands that prepared it. Look, not a bored prayer because miracles are never boring. Amen? And we're looking at this as a miracle. Look how Jesus did it in Luke chapter 9. He said, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. I love this. Leave that up for just a moment. Jesus gave thanks. If anybody could have been entitled, it was him. He created the first grain of wheat from which this bread was made. He spoke the fish into existence that he was about to feed the 5,000 with. If anybody could have said, I I made it, I don't have to be thankful for it. But he wasn't. He gave thanks for it. He blessed it. He, He broke it. 
And you see this, he does this also at the Last Supper where he gives thanks again, which, which is about to be his last meal on earth, and yet he gave thanks. So I believe there, there's something we need to grab hold of here today, y'all. We need to start looking at the blessings that we call boring. They are not boring blessings. The blessings and the miracles is that God has provided a meal for us so that we can continue to live for His glory. It's not just so I can fill my belly. He provided this meal so I can continue to give Him glory with my life. Look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10. So whether you eat or drink... Or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So when you look at that meal that you're going to have today, I know some of y'all are getting so hungry as I'm preaching about this right now. When you look at that meal that you're going to have today, I want you to look at it that way. This is a miracle, and this is here for me so that I can continue to fulfill what God has called me to do. I also encourage you to teach your children why we pray before meals. Teach them. Because what I've found is that an unexplained tradition can result in some weird ideas. Right? Like why? Kids don't know why we pray. It's just something we do. Davis, when he was little, uh, make sure and tell Davis I'm using him as an example, okay? Because I have to pay the boys 20 bucks if I use them as an example and don't tell them first, all right? So a little tradition we started. Uh, and it's costing me a lot of money. Uh, Davis, when he was little, uh, Kristen made him some, I don't know what, like French fries and chicken, chicken nuggets. And we all gathered around and we were getting ready to eat. And he put his little, little chubby little hands and he's, and he took the chicken nuggets and he, he dipped it. He dipped it in the ketchup, took a bite. Ah! Ah! Oh! he crying. And we're like, baby, what's wrong? He said, I played and it didn't cool at all. <laughs> So he literally thought prayer was to cool the food down. The whole point to a mealtime prayer is to receive the blessings of God's provision with thanksgiving. It's not something that we chant to ensure that our food is blessed. You hear me? It's not something we chant. To, to secure or, 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 or to prove or, or to ensure that our food is blessed. Prayed over food is no more blessed than non-prayed over food. How many ever been in the middle of a meal and go, oh, we forgot to pray. Give me a stomach pump. No, that's not how it works. How many think that you don't have to pray over chips? Raise your hand. Mexican restaurant, the chips, you don't have to pray over. I, some of you are pre-chip people. I'm a post-chip guy. Many of you are mid-chip, right? By the way, that's a little religious humor if you don't know what I'm referring to there. It was a little... Some of you are in the middle. Oh, Lord, let's pray. That's right. Look, that's not what it's about. It's, it's about thanking God. Even if you're in the middle of the meal and you forgot to do it, here's what I would suggest. Here's one. Let's mix it up a little bit. What if you begin to offer Thanksgiving at the end of the meal? Look at this. There's Bible for it. Deuteronomy 8 and 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. What if we change it up every once in a while? And at the end of our meal, when you're just a little bloated, okay? No, don't, don't eat that much. But just, you're satisfied. You haven't overeaten. Everything's great. And you just say, Lord, we just want to take time to thank you for this incredible meal. 
Now I realize that I've spent the past 15 minutes preaching about food, okay? So let's move on. Here, but here's what I want to say. The reason I want to do this because there, there are at least three times a day that you and I can pause and be more grateful, yeah. right? At least three times a day. The Hill students meet at our home each Wednesday night. This is college age and, and high school. They, they come and meet at our, at our home. And this past week, they were coming to the end of their discussion, and I walked in and interrupted them, and I said, I want you to help me with my message this week. I want to ask you, what are some things that we should be grateful for? Now, I told them that they were not going to get any credit for it, but I want to give them a little credit today. And it was really cool to hear some things that they said. They said, you know, one of the blessings that we, that we take for granted is our clothing. Clothing. How many times have you said, I have nothing to wear? As you're going through 14 closets. Right? Amen? 1 Timothy 6 says, True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Now, i got to be honest. I know many, many of you know this about me. I love nice clothes. I love good food and drink. All right? So I am not saying wear scrubs all the time or wear burlap sacks. I'm saying whatever you wear, wear learn to be thankful for it. And if you wear nice stuff, be thankful for it even more. Amen? Next thing they brought up was shelter. Shelter. You know how blessed we are to have a home? a roof over our head. The, the fact that we have, many of you have heat and air and, and running water. I mean, do you know how many people in the world do not have that? Shelter. And so today when you walk back into your home, what if you just stopped and said, Lord, I thank you, instead of saying, we've got to fix that and get this and we need a bigger one. Come on. Right? What if we just stopped and said, Lord, I just thank you. I think, yeah, there's work we need to do, but I'm going to thank you that I have a place to lay my head. What about your health? Your health. Come on, I'll tell you, I found this, that I'm not grateful for my health until it's gone. Right? I didn't realize how important knees were. All right? They're very important until you can't walk correctly. I love that the, the student said this, the fact that I have, that I have legs and arms and the fact that this young lady said, the fact that I have lungs that work, that I can, I can breathe. And I'm going to tell you one of the best ways to thank God for your health is to take care of it. Now, I don't want to get all mean on you before the holidays. But two years ago, God started dealing with me through my wife that I needed to take care of my health. And I can tell you that I, I feel better now than I've ever felt in my life. And I want to encourage you today. The best way you can thank God for your health is to take care of it. The one regret that I have is that I waited until I was almost 50 to start taking care of it. I would encourage you right where you are. Some of you said, oh, no, he done gone from preaching to meddling right now. No, this is called pastoring. And I'm telling you, if you will listen to me, it will help you. Look, you don't have to lose 30 pounds this month. Just, just do, take one step, okay? Just one small step. And I'll move on. One young man brought up sanitation. I hadn't even thought about that. Sanitation. The fact that we have garbage removal and we have sewage and 
Do you know that that is the leading cause of death in the world? Is sanitation. Thank you for that tidbit. Y'all just look over there and amen him because he brought it up for me. Amen. And, and we take, and how many of you get upset when they don't pick your trash up on time? So come on. I mean, they literally, I don't even have to take it into the, they come back to behind my house and pick mine up and take it. Wherever they go, take it. And sometimes I'm upset. Well, they ain't here yet. <laughs> Sanitation. What about a job? You have a job. You have a job. And for those of you who get bored with it and get upset with it, I want you to do this. Imagine the circumstances changing. What if unemployment suddenly goes up? Are you still going to be fussing about the job that you have now? Are you going to be hanging on to it saying, thank God I've got a job? Someone asked me, well, what about the job that you don't like or that you hate? Let me help you with that, okay? There's two reasons. If you're in a job,